You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Dave Ammons. Well, good morning, Cathedral. It's great to be here with you guys. Happy pre-Thanksgiving. Everybody excited for Thanksgiving this week? Coming up? Yeah? Y'all aren't excited? It's okay. I'm excited. Good foods in, in the mix. You know, you get to be reminded of the uh, just amazing country that we get to live in. It's, it's a great week, and there's, there's a lot to be thankful for, and, uh, and I love this time period of the year. It's, it's absolutely amazing. And, uh, you know, I'm going to start off by just saying thanks to the, the worship team. You know, sometimes these weekends, you get into the presence of God. It is just good. It's like he just meets you exactly where you are with whatever is going on. And I love that about the presence of God. I was reminded of uh, even uh, the, the, the guy who wrote that last song. And, you know, he was, he was oscillating back and forth for five years of, do I continue on this path that I'm on or do I give in to what I feel like God is calling me to? And it's out of that season of adversity that he wrote that song. Aren't you glad that God meets us exactly where we are, no matter what's going on through our life, the good times, the bad times, he's always right there with us. Amen? Amen. So I hope that uh, worship set blessed you, because uh, this is a season where we're going to be pouring out a lot, and so one of the greatest ways to fill yourself up and to make sure that you are full is that you get into uh, worship and you just fill yourself up, because many of you guys might be having family that may or may not drain you as they're in your house. So get full, get filled up. Uh, we are in week number two of a, a generosity series, and uh, I'm excited to bring the message. Well, y'all know, I'm, I'm excited every time we have a message. I love what God speaks to us, and I believe that he's got a great message for us uh, here today. But before we dive into the message, uh, I just want to look each and every one of you guys in, in your eyes and just tell you how much I appreciate you guys. How thankful I am for an over-the-top, generous church. You know, one of the things that we set out this year is uh, just blowing the roof off of not only generosity, but just some of our mission stuff that we're going after. And as it pertains to this time period of the year, there's so much that we can sow into our community. One of the big events that we do uh, is our Thanksgiving uh, dinners that we do in partnership with our Impact Center. And uh, we, we put a goal out there. Now, the most dinners we have ever done is just over 250 dinners in the history of Cathedral. This year, we said, you know what? Let's just put an audacious goal out there. Do you all remember the goal that we had this year? You daggone right. And if we didn't hit it, oh darn. We got more than what we've ever done in the history of Cathedral. Y'all, y'all did, y'all said, okay, I see your 500. I raise you even more. Y'all did 537 Thanksgiving dinners to people in this community. Y'all blew the biggest one that we've ever had in the history of Cathedral, and I love that about this church. Y'all are generous, uh, and it communicates the message of Jesus. In fact, I've, I had someone ask, why do we do this? Why, what is the big deal with these Thanksgiving dinners? And, and here's, here's the answer that I gave them and what I want to give to you guys is because Jesus was generous to us in the beginning. You know, he left his big comforts. Y'all are laughing. What was that? Cute little girl. I remember seeing that. Yeah, she's, I mean, who would not want to receive a turkey dinner from her, right? 
Um, but I love it because it just shows the generosity of, of Jesus, of the one that we serve, because he left his comforts in heaven. He didn't have to come down here, but he left, came onto this earth, died for our sins. He's the most unreasonable, generous person that this earth has ever seen. Amen? And so it's amazing that we get the opportunity uh, to make an impact in this city because how many of you guys know they'll never listen to us about our God unless they know that we care about them? And so we meet those needs exactly where they are, and it opens up the door. It opens up the opportunity to see where they are in life. And I can't wait to see all the, the stories of impact that come out of it. In fact, one of the ladies uh, came back um, to us and gave us this note. She says, uh, y'all, thank you so much, because if it wasn't for you guys, my entire family would be eating nothing but bologna sandwiches. Nothing against bologna, if you like that, right? But how amazing is it now that her entire family gets to enjoy a great Thanksgiving meal? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, along with that, I told you uh, that this entire process is really sponsored by our um, Impact Center. And I want to make sure that you guys are, are uh, up to speed with that. You know, for the last couple of years, ever since COVID, um, and really before that, we had a big storm that knocked out our building that the, uh, our Impact Center was, is in. And instead of doing an Impact Center, our school was growing. We needed more classrooms. And so uh, they graciously were allowed us to, to build that building back for a school and not an Impact Center. And so that they have been mobile for the past couple of years. Uh, but I want you to know what you're a part of because it's only because of your generosity that we can have message or, uh, ministries like this. But just in this past year, y'all were a part of feeding over 28,025 individuals. And that's being mobile, okay? You see a picture there that we're uh, stepping out in faith this year. We're taking it back to brick and mortar because we have so much more that we want to do as an impact into the city that God has called us to. And so you can see the map there. It's just down the road of what we're going to be able to do. Um, I, honestly, guys, if you could see the vision of different things that we feel like God has laid on our hearts, I think it would absolutely blow you away. And this is just one of those little areas that we get to do, do and be a part of. So if there's anything that you're lacking in prayer, please pray for the Impact Center because we know that there is a hurting world out there and we're called to reach it. Amen? Amen, amen. Uh, if you're a part of our Impact Center, man, y'all, A, have an incredible leader. Uh, Miss Debbie is unbelievable. But thank you guys for all the countless hours that you guys put into affecting this community right here. All right, one last thing before we get into the message. Um, you know, this isn't a massive, a gloriously one, but I just want to make sure that y'all are aware of it. Some of you guys go to this area of our campus. Some of you guys do not. If you go to the back of our campus, you'll notice that we are paving our gravel parking lot, and I, can I get a good amen on that? My goodness. It is okay, and I implore you that you can bring out the tire shine and put it back on your vehicles, okay? Glory be to God in that whole thing. But yeah, we are doing it. We are paving it as of right now. Uh, we're a little over halfway done. You'll see the rest of that being paved this week. Um, and I, I just want to tell you because, you know, we don't look at a lot of these things and know what all goes into it, but that has been an ask for a lot of years. Um, but we don't think about what all goes into paving. Y'all are looking at $350,000 to do that, okay? Um, so when you park there, appreciate it. You say, thank you, Lord, that we can do it. But I tell you that because of this. Again, I'm going back to your generosity because we are a debt-free church. We did not take out a loan to do this. We did that debt-free because of y'all's giving. 
That's a vision that Pastor Mike, our founding pastor, put in place, and we are the recipients of it, and it is a vision of the house that we want it to stay forever and ever, amen, because we don't want to do something that then just straps us down and we're so stressed out. Who wants to be house poor, right? But we know that God has an amazing vision for us, and so we're thankful for us, but I also had a question about that, and I want to give you the answer, because I thought it was a great question. Dave, why the heck, of all the things that you be doing, why would you pave a parking lot? Well, first off, y'all been aggravated about it. Okay, so that's one. The next thing is part of our goal and part of our vision as a church is we want to make it as hard as possible for people to go to hell. Okay, which means I also want to make it as easy as possible for people to receive the message of Christ, which means we look at every part of our campus and try to remove every distraction known to man. Because how many of you guys know that there's an enemy that loves to put any kind of distraction that you do not receive the messages that come out of this place? And I'm not making it up, but I've had people turn away because they did not want to get their car dirty. I understand. I don't want my car dirty either. But I want to do everything in our wheelhouse for, to remove every single distraction possibly because there is a hurting world that we are going after. Amen? All right, there you go. Y'all enjoy that parking lot. All right, here we go. Let's go ahead and dive in. Uh, one of the things that I love and that I get to be a part of uh, in, in the church life, in my personal life, it, it is this, is that I, I get to meet some pretty extraordinary people. Uh, people in this church, uh, there's a lot of incredible people in this church. Um, in the areas that we get to travel, whether it's for personal or whether it's tied to the church, different conferences, whatever the case may be, but each of these locations, I get to meet some very extraordinary people. One of the ones that I've enjoyed ever since my kids have gotten into sports is meeting the parents that are also in sports with my kids. I've met some incredible people that live right here in this community, and I absolutely love it. Many of these people, these extraordinary people, are extraordinary for all sorts of reasons. Some of them are amazing entrepreneurs, absolutely killing it in their space. Some of these people have unbelievable faith that they've been able to overcome different things in their life, overcoming insurmountable odds that when I walk away from them, I'm like, man, I need to check myself. Like, I need to increase my faith. It's just incredible what they're going through, but yet what their outlook is. They're extraordinary people. Other people are absolute cultural pioneers, and they're actually leading leaders within their space. They're a pioneer within their particular space. And over this past year, as I've met so many of these people, I've had this thought over and over again, which is this, is that the more frequently I meet these people and have conversations, I'm more aware of the enormous capacity that we have, that they have how truly extraordinary these people are. Like, have you ever met somebody and you walk away from them going, man, they're made out of a different kind of cloth. It's like they were born out of like superwoman or superman material, right? You're just like, dang, these people are killing it. And what I've come to realize is this, is, is the more people that I meet is this reality, is that there is greatness inside of every human being. Which really makes sense when you think about it because all of us are created in the image of God and God never created anything that was ordinary. You see, I tell you this and I hope you never get tired of it. I just told you how amazing you guys are and I'm going to continue to tell you 
Because if you ever get bored, just look down your row. Start talking to people. It's amazing how people got here. It's amazing what people do for a living. It's amazing what God has overcome in their life for them. I love hearing their stories, and I'm never going to stop because we have some incredible people in this church. Now, what's also interesting about all this is when you give people that compliment. And I noticed that there was a difference between people inside the church and people outside of the church. You would give a person outside of the church and you would give them this compliment. Man, that's amazing. You're accomplishing some amazing things. And here's almost unanimously their answer in some form or fashion. They would say, you know what? I appreciate that. Thank you for noticing that. But then I also noticed that Christians actually had the hardest time when you gave them this compliment. And their response, almost unanimously, was some version of this. Oh, no, 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 I'm not great. God's great. Well, I'm not denying that, but I was trying to give you a compliment, right? It's as if they believe that diminishing God's greatness by telling them how great they are. But if God is great, then everything he creates is great, So does it not make sense that when he created you and me, that he did so with greatness on the inside? Are we on page? Okay. Now, if, if all of this is true, then God is not worried about your greatness because your greatness is just a reflection of his greatness. God is not up in heaven worried about your greatness. He's not calling Michael and Gabriel over going, hey, hey, Regina's getting too close. She's killing it. I need you to put a stop to it. You're great, but you're not that great. Like none of us are so great that we could actually diminish the greatness of God. But I am willing to say that the opposite is true. You see, when you and I live beneath our greatness that was placed inside of us by the creator of the universe, what we're actually doing is we're diminishing the image of our God. We don't properly reflect who he is and who he created you and I to be. So here's the dilemma that I see as I work through this process in my head. On the one hand, there is this conviction that every human being, including yourself, was born with this greatness on the inside of them. On the other hand, very few people ever actually live out this greatness. Most people will live their lives being haunted by the reality of this, that they're never able to achieve or access the greatness that we feel on the inside. In fact, I'm almost absolutely convinced that the majority of people live their lives wondering if there's more. God, there's got to be something more. God, there's got to be something spectacular out there. There's got to be something extraordinary out there, but somehow it just feels so elusive. Somehow, when I'm thinking about it, it just seems so unattainable. And the problem is this, is that people end up living their life less than what you were created to live. But how? How can that be? How in the world can God create us with greatness on the inside of us, but yet we live beneath our greatness? I want to tell you a story in the Bible of a guy whose life mimicked exactly what I just set up for you. I mean, if there was ever a poster child of a life with God-destined greatness that was seemingly never achieved, it's this guy. Now, thankfully... This guy's story didn't end that way. 
I want to talk to you this morning about the life of Joseph because Joseph turns a dream into a destiny and I want to show you how he did it. And I think this morning, if we can turn down the volume of whatever's going on in your life, if we turn, turn down the volume of the world and turn up what God is trying to say to us, I believe that the life of Joseph is going to speak to every single one of us this morning. How many of you guys have ever dreamed of being used by God. Now, now I'm not talking about just, oh, yeah, 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 God's going to use me, sure. No, I'm talking about how many of you guys have ever dreamed of being used by God in a massive way? Anybody? You see how awkward that was? Like, it's kind of there, but it's like, I think I have. I it's in the inside. You see, every single one of us are candidates for greatness. Every single one of us are candidates for promotion. All of us have this incredible capacity. Everybody say capacity. To not only receive this greatness, but to not only be about us, that we can actually promote others as well in this process. Have you ever asked yourself this question, hey, what does it take to be great? What does it take to be great? I was Wrestling with this question in my own head this past couple weeks, this has been a message that's kind of been brewing, for, honestly, for about a month right now. And so one of the processes as I was thinking about this is I was thinking about all the different great people in Scripture. And there's no doubt that we would say 100%, these people are great. Think about Moses. He overcomes insurmountable odds, gets past his own inabilities, and affects the kingdom of God in a massive way rescues the nation of Israel. No doubt that he's great. No doubt that women in the Bible like Esther and Ruth overcome insurmountable challenges chasing after the thing and the dream that God has placed inside of them. They're giants of our faith. Take Paul, for instance. I mean, he dominates the entire New Testament. I don't have to convince any of us that Paul in the Bible is just an absolutely great individual. You see, we look at all these different people, we look at their triumphant moments all throughout Scripture, and we want to make their moment our moment. We see their greatness, and we just go, oh, if I can just do that greatness in my own life, the trouble is this, is that's the dream that God put inside of them. That's not your dream. That's their dream. But the more that we study Scripture, the more you realize, hey, it's okay to study the tree. It's okay to study the individual, but sometimes we need to back up and we need to study the forest. What made them who they were? What made them great? What are the overarching themes that we see in the life of this individual, the consistent patterns that we see time and time again that made them who they were and were able to accomplish the great things that God had called them to? These are the things that we need to look at and incorporate into our own lives that will help us accomplish the God-sized dream that every one of us has. I was looking at different people, not just even in the Bible, but I, I, I was thinking about different places and different people. And, you know, my head, I'm a basketballer. I go to basketball, right? And there's no doubt that right now the dominating player of this modern era of basketball is Steph Curry. How many of you guys watch basketball? Anybody? couple? Yeah? Me and you, brother. I'm right there with you. I <laughs> love it. Steph Curry, no doubt, is one of the dominant players of our time. He is the number one shooter, honestly, that the history of basketball has ever seen, but yet he had a childhood of being made fun of 
because he was one of the tiniest players. You're never going to make it in the NBA. You're not big enough. Oh, and by the way, your shot looks goofy. It's just going to get smacked into the stands every single time. Good luck. But he never gave up in countless thousands of hours that he dedicated to this game. And no doubt he's one of the greatest. I kept diving into this, and I found some interesting points of this whole thing. You know, a basketball game is made up of 48 minutes. On average, Steph Curry plays 34 minutes of a 48-minute game. So of all of his greatness that he goes and throws into the game of basketball, it's only taken advantage of for 34 minutes of an entire game. I kept diving into this, and I found out another interesting fact, that of the 34 minutes that he plays, there's only four and a half minutes that he's actually touching a ball. So being one of the greatest, most dominant players of the game in the history of basketball, he does so in about four and a half minutes. I found that fascinating. I was recently watching a preseason game. The Warriors were playing the Rockets. Uh, and here, here's what was interesting about that game. It was going into the fourth quarter, and Steph Curry could not hit the broadside of a barn. He had 10 points. Now, this is a guy who can shoot better blindfolded than I can with no defenders. Okay? But yet he goes into the fourth quarter with only 10 points. 10 points. What I also found interesting is that the coach did not put him in the game when the fourth quarter started. I don't know about you, but as a coach, I want the best player on the team. And so what was interesting is it, it, minute after minute passed, and it was about four minutes left in the game, and they finally put him in. Now, what makes Steph Curry so dangerous is you never know when he's getting ready to ignite. Okay? But what's also interesting is that they're playing one of the better teams in the league, and yet they hung with him. Steph Curry's having one of the worst games in his career, but yet his team is still thriving. You know, what, what, what makes an individual great is not just what they can do in four and a half minutes, but it's what the rest of their team can also do. Steph Curry knows the value of his greatness because even though he's having one of the worst games in his life, he can step back and realize, hey, I'm still powerful. I know that I'm drawing people towards me. I can draw them towards me, and even though I'm not hitting the shot, I can dump it off and keep my team in this game. That's a sign of greatness. Now, fourth quarter comes in. The coach puts him in. He gets that first bucket, lights out. He hits like six more three, threes in that game. Game's over. They end up winning the game. No doubt that Steph Curry is one of the greats of our time in basketball. So I'm having this concept. I'm thinking about Joseph. And when you read the story of Joseph, which is from Genesis chapter 37 to chapter 50, and I encourage you, take some time to read these, these 13 chapters. Read these 13 chapters, and this isn't a part of the message, but I'll give you this as a side note. Read these chapters about Joseph's life with the lens of Joseph was just a foreshadowing of who Jesus was and what he was going to do on the scene. Man, you put those lenses on, whoo, that story comes alive. Because all Joseph is is a foreshadowing of Jesus coming onto this earth. But Joseph, we read from Genesis chapter story, his, his life ends on a high note, but his life didn't lend itself that way. In fact, most people would describe his life as a life of tragedy, one right after the other. And when you look at the book of Genesis, here's the really fascinating thing about Genesis. The first half of the, of the entire book of Genesis is all about the history of humanity and creation. The second half of the book of Genesis is about one man. His name is Joseph. Like, you know that you're a big deal when you go from everybody to my man Joseph. 
But I think it's neat because I think it shows how massive this is and how significant his life is, but how badly God wants us to glean something from this man's life. I mean, get this. The moment Joseph's life ends, close the book of Genesis. That's a big deal. Like, can you imagine your life having so much significance that when you die, you close the book up? All right, I'm good with that one. Let's start Exodus. That's a big deal. So we pick up the, the story of Joseph. He's 17 years old, and we see that he's having these dreams. He's having these dreams. They're given to him by God. And in these dreams, what we see is Joseph is a powerful man. So much so, in fact, that his, his, his brothers, his, his fathers, they're, they're bowing down to him and worshiping. Now, Joseph just has one problem. He decides to tell his family. More specifically, he decides to tell his brothers. Can you imagine how well this went over with his brothers? I can just imagine Joseph being the baby. I was the baby of a family. I can imagine going to my brothers and say, hey, guys, come over here. Hey, I just want to tell you I had a dream. Oh, that's good, little buddy. What was it? Well, God was in the dream. Oh, get out. I mean, I'm interested. I'll bite. Tell me more about it. Well, a matter of fact, not only was I in the dream, God is in the dream, but you were in the dream. Okay, this is awesome. What else we got? Well, I was in the middle. Y'all were on the outside. Oh, okay, I can see where this is going. Yeah, no, actually, you guys were the planets and the moons, and, and, and I was the sun. Ah. Yeah, this, hmm, that's awesome. Oh, one minor detail. Um, Y'all actually bow down and honor me and worship me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can, yeah, get out of here. I can just imagine me telling my brothers, being the baby of the whole family, and going, get out of here. Like, we mess with this whole stuff. Like, they're not going to be excited, right? They're not going to be all excited, jumping up and, and down in sheer joy. Like, oh, my gosh, how great is this? Little buddy, I always believed in you. Can I be the first one to bow down? That is not what they're going to do. And that's exactly what happened with Joseph. His brothers weren't jumping up and down. They despised him greatly. They thought that he was arrogant beyond belief. And to add insult to injury, his dad gives him this dang multicolored coat, his wearing patch mattress, and just to show his dad's favoritism. They're thinking, man, this dude has lost it. His head has gotten too big. Joseph may have had the, the mouth the size of a hippo. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like wide open. Like he didn't know when to shut up, right? Yeah. Right there. He, he didn't know. But, but the reality was this, is that God put a dream inside of him that was very true. And that dream, it came with a tremendous amount of challenges but he became unreasonably generous because of it. You see, Joseph, this dream was pretty short-lived because after that moment that I told you about of him telling his brothers, Joseph would spend the next 13 years of his life living through hell, being betrayed by his brothers, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, put into prison multiple times, falsely accused. As you read the story of Genesis, you would think that Joseph had to be living some kind of life of sin. Surely there's some secret addiction that the Bible is not telling us. He's not living up to his potential. Like surely there's something behind the scenes that he is living this punishment out for something that he did. 
Why was all of this happening to him? Two reasons that I want to pose to you. First of, he held a dream. The second thing is this, is that he had a generous heart. You see, God didn't cause these things to happen. And I talk with so many folks and they wonder, why is God punishing me for all this kind of stuff? Can I just tell you that God is not punishing him? God didn't cause these things to happen in his life, but he did use them. He ain't going to let anything go undone because he's going to use them to shape him. They're going to use him to mold him. He's going to use him to make him the person that God created and called him to be. You see, every single one of us, we have a dream on the inside that God places uniquely to you. My dream is no less important than your dream. My dream is also no more important than the dream that he puts inside of you. But here's what God's also going to do. When he places that dream on the inside of you and I, God is also going to give everything that we need to fulfill that dream. He's going to give us the gifts, the talents, the, the, the passion, the drive, the ability, the influence that we need to accomplish this dream. And I'll say it this way, is that our destiny will only be fully reached when we discover and pursue the dream that God has placed on the inside of us. You see, that's why it's so important, and I want you to hear me say this, it's so important for us to stop looking at other people's dreams. Don't look at other people's dreams as if to say that your dream is less than. Don't reduce God to that level of thinking. But if we can stay on focus, if we can stay in our lane, stay in the lane that God created for us and not get distracted, don't give in to the offense and get derailed by offense. It's so easy to happen. Don't give in to bitterness. Don't give in to uh, pride. Don't let the world or the enemy get us off of our plan. What I'm trying to say is that no matter what happens in our life, we need to stay laser focused on the dream that God places on the inside of us. There's two groups of people here. The first of which is you would say, Dave, I don't know what my dream is. Well, fantastic. You know what your role is. you got to discover it. It's the very reason why we have growth track in place. You see, all throughout the entire Bible, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, God had a plan for our life. We want to show you it, unearth it, and show you what God wants to do inside of your life. That's the full purpose of what Get Growth Track does. It happens every single week. We'd love for you to be a part of it. But there's another group in here that you know the God-given dream that he has placed on the inside of you. Well, first off, I want to say congratulations. That is fantastic. But now your goal shifts. And our shift goes to this. I'm going to do everything I can do to protect it. I'm not going to get derailed by everything that life throws at me, but I'm not only going to just protect it, I'm going to renew it daily. I'm going to pursue it. I'm going to grow it. I'm going to go after everything that God has for me. Joseph went through all of this struggle, went through this preparation, right? You see, it wasn't for him just to gain in life, to gain more power, to gain authority, to gain more money in his pinky finger than nations had. Rather, it was for him to act generously in order to fulfill this God-given dream, and it was going to take everything that he had. It was going to take his resources, the wisdom, the intellect, every bit of character that God was placing inside of him to be able to save the entire nation of Israel. Have you ever wondered, why is, why is this happening to me? Like, Dave, if I'm honest with you, I feel like I'm really trying to pursue life with the best that I have. And quite honestly, you know, I know I could always do better with my relationship with God. I know we always have that feeling, but Dave, I'm genuinely, I really feel like I'm pursuing this relationship and it just feels like it's just not working out. 
I feel like I'm doing my best. I'm here to tell you today, it's because you have a dream that is placed on the inside of you by God Almighty himself. And when you realize this, when you discover it, when you pursue it, here's what happens is the enemy fears you. The enemy fears you because he knows that you are a threat to advancing the kingdom of God. Which is why the enemy does everything he can and tries so hard to steal, kill, and destroy the things in our life. Because he knows if he can do that. He knows if he can get you off of that dream, he can rob you of your future. So what I want to do is I want to give you three things, three insights that I see into the life of Joseph. The first one is this. Number one is what God allows seems to contradict the dream. What God allows seems to contradict the dream. If this is you, if you feel like this, then you and Joseph would be besties. Bare minimum, your friends on Insta, right? Joseph was given this dream. He was going to change the world, ruling over something magnificent. And the next thing we know is he finds himself in a pit. He finds himself in slavery. He finds himself in prison and on and on. Things don't seem like they're going to work out. They're not going well for him at all. God, this is the wrong direction from the dream that you gave me. And that's exactly what it felt like in that moment. You see, we're heading into Thanksgiving, and most of us are going to watch this little thing called the Thanksgiving Day, Macy Day Parade, right? What's neat about that is Joseph is on the ground level. God is one of those balloons. We can't tell the beginning from the end, but God very easily can because he's high enough. Does that make sense? And I want you to remember that even as you watch the Macy's Day Parade is we may not understand everything in our life. But it's so important not to doubt the things of what God places in our life. Because again, if I can remind you of scripture, he works all things for our good. What we don't see in the immediate, he goes, not a problem. I can work that for your good and you're right on track for the dream that I have for your life. What God allows seems to contradict the dream. You see, what Joseph didn't know and what we don't either in our lives is that even though God didn't create this to happen in Joseph, he uses these circumstances to position him to a place of fulfillment. As it pertains to this point, I want to leave you with this out of Romans chapter 8, verse 28. He says, and we know that in all things, everybody say all things. God works for the good of those who love them and who have been called according to his purpose. Number two, the greater the dream, the greater the threat. There was a moment in Joseph's life when he was taken out of prison by a man named Potiphar. Potiphar is a powerful, for lack of better terms, business Egyptian, okay? Joseph was his, his servant. He brought him out of, of being in prison. So he's out of prison, but yet he's still a slave, Okay? One day, Potiphar, he's gone, right? He's doing Potiphar business things. He's out in the belt doing his thing. Joseph, being a, a very good-looking fella, I'm not making that up. Scripture tells us. Not a bad thing to have as a part of your deal, right? Tells us he's a good-looking fella. Joseph, or Potiphar's gone, doing his business. Potiphar's wife comes into the scene, starts coming on to Joseph. Now, Potiphar's wife, I kind of struggled with this part of the service to accurately describe her. And um, 
there was, what was the word that you gave me? Yeah, that's it. That'll work. There was, uh, that's the nice way to say it. I think you're, you, you get my drift, right? All right, okay, there we go. She was, she was loosey-goosey, all right? Y'all need to see what I have written in my notes. It, one day, Potiphar's gone. She says to Joseph, listen, my husband's gone. I'm here. You're here. Taking a little ad lib liberty, but I imagine she goes over to her harpist, says, hey, throw me on something to set the mood. It's a good choice. And that's actually a good line because she was twisted over him. How many of y'all know if you put key sweat on, you mean business? We're going to cover that in February. It's going to be a part of our relationship series. You're going to get a lot out of it. He's going to speak to you that day, I promise you. So she throws on a little key sweat and she goes, hey, baby, you're looking good. I'm looking good. Husband's gone. You see, it would have been so easy for him to say yes in that moment. My life is miserable. God, you've taken everything from me. I'm going to take this from my own. It would have been so easy for him to say, you know what? I'm going to take this moment's pleasure for myself. And if he would have said yes to her, he'd have been saying no to his future. You see, your every yes has a no, and your every no has a yes. And the question that I have for every one of us, including myself, is are we saying yes to the right things in our life? Because any dream that, that has the goal of growing the kingdom at the center of it, it will encounter attacks from Satan. Here's another great verse that I want you to have as it, as it pertains to this particular thought. And it comes out of 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. It says, you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater. Everybody say greater. The one that is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Greater the dream, greater the threat. And that verse that I just read to you, church, is a promise from God to you. And see, this isn't a popular thought, but it is very true because adversity in our lives can be very good for us. He said, Dave, man, come on, I got enough bad things going on in my life. Hey, I understand, I got plenty of things going on in my life that I have nothing to do with and I don't want it to be a part of my life. But yet it's there. But what I want you to open your eyes to is that adversity can produce fruit in your life that otherwise would never have happened. And we see Joseph being unbelievably and unreasonably generous with his convictions. Unreasonably generous with his morals in this moment. Because scripture actually elaborates a little bit on this. This wasn't a one-time event. Key sweat didn't work for her, so she threw on some boys to men and tried to go after them day after day after day. She got desperate, threw on some Barry White. That didn't even work. I'm trying to hit all the genres. But let me tell you what he was overwhelmingly generous with. And this is something that is lacking in our society. Is he was overwhelmingly generous with the fear of the Lord. He knew what God called him to. And I'm not going to sacrifice for one moment of pleasure because I know what God has called me to. Number three. Actually, let me give you one because I'll give you my... It's not as great as Joseph, right? But we all have adversity in our lives. 
Many of you guys know my story uh, from medicine to ministry. And the, the, I always kind of wrestled in maybe like a joking way with the Lord of like, God, if you knew this was going to be the call on my life, why did I have to waste thousands of hours of studying? <laughs> like that was a lot of hours. Like first and foremost, it was probably keeping me out of trouble. I realize that, right? That's a good thing. What I didn't know was he was producing a love inside of me for studying, a love for diving into the scripture, a love for, for seeing the details to make it as easy as possible for us to understand. And I love every second of making these things come alive for us. What I thought was a waste of time, God said, no, 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 no. Don't ever doubt my plan because I'm going to use it to ultimately fill the calling on your life. Number three. It's all about the process. All about the process. If you want to be in shape, where you got to go? You got to dag on. You want to be a great leader? You got to read. You want to be a master at some kind of musical instrument? You got to practice every single day, day in and day out. If you want to grow spiritually, guess what? You've got to get into the Word of God. You've got to go to him every single day in prayer saying, God, search my heart, God. God, get in there. Get, root out the sin that's in my life. I want more of you and less of me. God, would you lead me? Holy Spirit, would you guide me? And guess what will happen? You will grow in that particular area. Genesis chapter 37 through 50 is the story of Joseph. And throughout it, we see the process that he went through. One of the stories that you're going to read is when Pharaoh has this dream. None of his people can interpret the dream. But there's two guys in his world that says, hey, hey, I know a guy. I know a guy that can interpret these dreams. And, and, and he goes back to these two guys. These two guys were in prison with Joseph. One was a baker, one was a cupbearer. And they come to Joseph with this dream that they can't figure out what's going on. And Joseph, having this gift, having this talent that God has given him, said, sure, yeah, I'll help you out. And he tells the baker, he says, listen, it ain't looking good for you. You're going to make it out, but you're going to die in two years. Hate it for you. Eey. Turns to the cupbearer, tells the cupbearer, man, things are looking up for you, dude. I mean, you're going to be restored to your position to your glorified position of being the cupbearer for Pharaoh, most powerful person in the world. And guess what? It's going to happen in three days. Now, you got to understand, the very gift and talent that he prophesied over this cupbearer that took only three days, Joseph had a dream and for the last 13 years has been living in prison and in all different kinds of hardships, slavery, disappointment, wrongdoing, you name it, it's happening to him. But see, there's a difference of what Joseph was called to versus what the cupbearer was called to. Because Joseph, his dream was to hold up the entire nation of Israel and to save them from a famine that otherwise would have taken them out. And so here's the question that I have on the inside of me that I want to give to you guys because I know some of you are out here saying this thing right now. Dave, I want this dream. I desire this dream. I want to make sure that I'm going after the God-sized dream that I have in my life. But does it have to come into the hardship? Ah, that's great, but I, I got to go through the suffering. question I have back to you is what do you want? Do you want to go through the process so you can hold up a cup? 
Or do you want to go through the process so you can hold up a, a nation? You see, there's a difference between the God-sized dream that God places on the inside of you and what we do with dumbing down to a human-sized dream. The choice is ours. There's a difference in the dreams. You see, Joseph didn't shy away from using his gifts and talents that God had placed inside of him. He could have been bitter. He's in prison. He could have had that prison mentality which says, I look out for myself and nobody else. That's not what he did. Rather, we see the exact opposite. Joseph overflowed again with unreasonable generosity with his gifts and his talents. And here's what God did. God was able to use those and to continue to position him to the next part of his dream because he knew down the line that there was going to be a Pharaoh, the most powerful person in the world who needed a dream interpreted, and they were going to remember this guy named Joseph. That's how this works. That's how a dream and generosity are tied together. I want to tell you one last story before we go. Because I think there's intrinsic value in never forgetting your history. Never forgetting where you came from. You see, when Pastor Mike was uh, having, God was laying this desire to, to launch a church. He's praying, he's believing. Matter of fact, he believed that Cathedral was going to be a church that was based out of Georgetown, South Carolina. He was on the phone call one day with a friend of his, and this friend said, hey, have you ever thought about Charleston? To which Miss Dean heard it and was like, no, absolutely not. Do not go there. They come here. They're driving around. And the way that he describes it is he says, honestly, it was nothing short of just God doing a massive move in our life. From the moment that we got in here to the moment that we left, we knew that we were called to Charleston. And so... That birthed this dream, this dream that just seems so impossible. He starts it with six people in a house. God moved, put his hand on it, and, and people became, began to come to that church, and it grew rapidly, and we had to move to a different location because we outgrew that house. People were having to drop off their kids at different houses. It was a crazy time period. So we move over to the Best Western, which is if you're getting off of Ashley or getting off the I-26 going on to the Ashley Phosphate exit, you know the hotel to the right right there? That used to be the Best Western. That was our next location that we would go to. We quickly outgrew the space that they allowed us to come into, and so we had to move into the bar of that hotel. And the running joke at that time is you can come on Saturday night and get the old wine, come on Sunday and get the new wine. All right? But it was very often that they would have to clear the beer bottles off of the bar just to be able to use the space. God was continuing to move and do mighty things right here in the city of Charleston. We had to move from that location over to Stahl High School and use that space. We quickly outgrew that space and had to use other classrooms to fit all the different things that we had going on. It was at this time period that all of this was operating out of the house of Pastor Mike. That was HQ for Cathedral. And so we realized, hey, we got we to do something here. we got to find this. And so there was a realtor that came to the church, and Mr. Mike called him up and said, hey, I need your help. We need a building. We need all this kind of stuff. Uh, but before we get going there, I really feel like we need an office building. So, okay, great. What's your budget? Mr. Mike goes, well, I got $300. <sighs> yeah, we'll give it a go. So if you know, if you're going on Ashley Phosphate, you know the railroad tracks? And then right there is like this little group of like little office buildings with a roof that's pitched like this, right? Okay, that was the office building that came up for the market. They had just built it at that time. And, and so, well, he said, yeah, we got something. It'll be uh, $750. Mr. Mike goes, well, 
I ain't got that. I got 300, though. And you see this dilemma of do, do, I, do I settle for the, the, the human-sized dream and do I sacrifice or do I commit to this thing that God is birthing inside of me? He stuck to his convic- convictions on that whole thing. He says, you know what? It doesn't hurt to ask. Lo and behold, the guy comes back and says, you know what? Yeah. Not only will we do it for $300, but we'll actually give you the, the flagship piece of that property. We'll give you the, the, the biggest one in that whole thing. And that became our office for a time period. Amen, right? So then we go on and uh, we're growing and we're, we're looking for uh, a, a campus to call our own. We're, we're tired of the mobile stuff. We're, we're looking for a brick and mortar place. So again, he calls up this realtor and he says, hey, I'm, I'm looking for something. He goes, oh, great. I don't remember what the budget was, but it was another one of those moments of, all right, we'll see what we can do. This guy comes up with uh, our, a property on Appian Way. Y'all know where Appian Way is? By that new, whatever, tire station they got over there? It's 10 acres, but the only problem is we don't have the money for it. And the bank, which is a miracle in its own right at this time period, decides and says, you know what? We'll finance it for you. But the, there's a caveat. We want you to be tied into this property, and so you need to own two acres of it free and clear. It was a 10-acre property. And so he's, the realtor's asking Pastor Mike and saying, you know, which two acres would you like to kind of divvy up? He goes, well, how about the middle two? He says, ah, I don't think you know how this works. Ah, you, you really can't take the heart of a property because then they can't do anything with that property. And he goes, ah, can't hurt to ask. I think you know where this is going. They ask, and they say, absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll sign that deal. We'll go ahead and do it. And you can see this is the building behind us, and this is what served us for, for a few years. God was still in this, moving in absolutely mighty ways. It was very quickly that we grow to uh, three services on the weekends, two on Wednesday night. Uh, and this was our headquarters for a time period, but it very quickly got to a place where we just got to do something. We're going to burn this man out if he's got to add another service. And so we're trying to figure out, are we going to build another building or are we going to look for something else? We start a campaign nonetheless to figure out what's the vision of this place. At the same time that this is happening, this piece of property comes available. There was a current church that was in here that was just had fallen on tough times and uh, they could not keep the note on this building anymore. And so what we ended up able to do is basically a church shop. We bought this building uh, from the bank and, um, and came into this place. And you talk about generosity. This place was uh, not looking the greatest. I mean, it was three weeks of around-the-clock shifts, day in, day out. And I'm talking 24 hours. I see a couple of the originals nodding their head over here to my right. They're saying, yeah, it was 24 hours. I mean, day in, day out, just to get this place for service number one. Now, what I didn't tell you is, along with all of this, and this is just the heart of this house, Pastor Mike, before we did any building, any office building, any anything, he said, hey, I know we have all these needs, but we can't forget what God has called us to. God has called us to reach a hurting world. And what, what they decided to do, what the church decided to do was saying, you know what, I know we have our own individual needs, but let's sow into something so God can bless it. And at the time, there was a couple, uh, Tom and Joan Beek, they were living the second half of their life and felt like they were called to the mission field. Now, this was before water missions were really big, but they launched over into Africa, later into El Salvador and different parts of South America. But we partnered with them during that time period and said, you know what, we're going to commit to you guys. We ended up doing 16 different wells across the nation of Africa. 
Now, at the time, we didn't know how massively successful that was going to be. It makes sense now because if you don't have access to water, you realize how valuable of a resource that is. And so what ended up happening is as they would put these wells in, leaders from all of these different communities would come together and they would come and just be so thankful and they would have this relationship and so it was a mutual thing. And at that time, what they were able to do is not only bring these leaders together, bring waters into this community, but because they had the relationship and knew we cared about them, at the same time, there was a film called the Jesus Film going on. And so now that we had the trust of these individuals, we would show this Jesus film to thousands of people that had come from all these different communities. And it was a time period where thousands of people all across the nation of Africa were coming to know the name of Jesus. It was absolutely incredible. And so it's hard to tie these things together, but you can't tell me that if it wasn't for the generosity, we experienced all the blessings that came along with what the vision of this house is because the heart of this house is saying, you know what, God, we want to be not only generous, but we want to get to the point of unreasonable generosity. We want to put other people first. And when that's your heart, you say, okay, God, you do what you want with the rest. It's the same thing that happens in our life. You remember the church that I was telling you that used to be here? This is the part of the story that I did not know. Shows you the heart of Pastor Mike, shows you the heart of this church. They had to leave this place, and their next move was being homeless. That church was going to be non-existent anymore, but who wants that? So Pastor Mike knew about it. He said, hey, well, we have, we have this over here. Why don't you go into that place? We'll finance it for you until you can get back up on your feet. Helped in the whole process of getting them financially stable again, and there was a day where not only did they not have to lease it from us anymore, but they were able to buy the entire property to keep that church afloat and to keep it going. That's an unreasonable generosity. That's what it does in our life. Oh, and by the way, he sold it to him for pennies on the dollar. Because that's what you do. So what's the point of all this, Dave? Why did I tell you the story? I think the point of the story is don't make God look small. Don't reduce the God-sized dream that he gives to every single one of us to a human-sized dream. Unleash the dream that God has for you. Unleash the dream that God has for your family, for the people around you, for this church. And the key to unlocking it, the key to protecting it and reaching it is this unreasonable generosity theme that we see in the life of Joseph. Because if Joseph would have listened and given in to the challenges that he faced, he would have never reached his dream and saved a nation. If this church, if Pastor Mike would have listened every single time someone said no, or that's not possible, you wouldn't have seen this campus come to life. You wouldn't have seen thousands of people come to know the name of Jesus. You wouldn't have seen families being just saved and generations impacted, thousands of lives being baptized. That's what happens when we say yes to the dream that God has for our life. Amen? Stand to your feet. As you stand to your feet, I'm going to give you one last thing, and I want to bless you with this awareness. Probably the most important thing that Joseph did in all 13 chapters of this entire story was this, is he forgave his brothers. No one would have blamed him for not forgiving. Remember, he's the second most powerful man in the world at this point. He could have done whatever he wanted to get revenge, and no one would have said otherwise. But if he would have said yes to that... He would have said no to the dream that God had placed inside of him. He passed the forgiveness test and he passed the generosity test. And it's exactly what God had for him. Put your hands in front of you. 
Lord, I know that you just have such amazing dreams, plans, and purposes for every single one of us. Father, for anybody who's in here who just says, I'm just confused. I don't feel like I know my dream. Father, supernaturally, would you reveal that dream to them? Would you put people in their path? Would you let them be a part of a growth track? Would, what, however you want to reveal that dream, Father, would they not go another day without seeing and realizing this dream? But Father, for everybody who does have this dream, Lord, would you speak to them to be able to renew that passion, to protect it with everything they have, to give them the resources to be able to go after it, to, to have the character inside of them that says, yes, I'm not, I'm going to be generous with everything that I have. I'm going to be generous with all my resources. I'm going to be generous with my, my gifts and my talents. I'm going to be generous with my convictions and my morals. I'm going to stay to the path because I know that every yes has a no and every no has a yes, and I want to say yes to you, God. So, Father, can we receive that this morning? Father, I bless them with the awareness out of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, that no matter what's going on in their life, whether it's good, whether it's bad, like what Joseph was experiencing, that you never leave us and you never forsake us, and that you will work all things. Everybody say all things for our good. Amen? Amen. Lord bless you guys. Have an amazing rest of your weekend. Happy Thanksgiving to you. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.